0: Welcome to Good Guy Grant's podcast. It's mad decent. This is the Good Guy Grant podcast. I'm your host, Grant. Coming up on today's show, I want to talk a little minor league baseball player who was arrested for drug possession. We'll do the Who the Fuck is That Guy segment. We'll also talk about the baseball preview. We'll do the Houston Astros and the Los Angeles Angels. We'll talk a little boxing as uh, Virgil Ortiz Jr. KO'd Maurice Hooker last night. I want to first talk about minor league baseball player. So Jesus Camargo Corrales, he's 25, he is a minor league baseball player for the Chicago Cubs, was actually caught the last couple days by police. In Colorado. So police pulled him over because he was driving recklessly. His story of where he was going and the passenger that was in the seat with him didn't exactly add up. They were both basically saying two different stories of where they were going. And this is on TMZ for people who don't know. And people say TMZ, you know, it's one of those places to where you... You get some good information, but it's mostly about celebrities and what's going on, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. But I found this story when I was reading TMZ today, and I thought it was absolutely hilarious. So what ends up happening is this guy, and again, it's a minor leaguer for the Chicago Cubs. His name is Jesus Camargo Corrales, 25. Cubs signed him in 2014 to a minor league deal. He hasn't really pitched for the major league team. They pull him over, and since his story doesn't add up, they search his car, and in the trunk of his car there's a Chicago Cubs duffel bag. In that duffel bag, the cops find twenty-one pounds of methamphetamine, one point two pounds of oxycodone pills, and this is in like one of those Chicago Cubs duffel bags that every player on the team gets. So the cops arrest him, of course. 21 pounds of methamphetamine. Come to find out, this guy was headed from Colorado to Mexico where he picked up the drugs, brought it back in, was going to sell it to a contact in Colorado. What's kind of funny is, so he gets this, this 21 pounds of methamphetamine, the 1.2 million, or 1.2 pounds of oxycodone. And... He's driving with it with a friend. And he's supposed to meet up with a guy so he can sell it. Now the drug distributor down in Mexico tells Jesus Camargo Corrales who to see about selling this to. And guess how much money Corrales was set to make carrying all this, I call it weight, but drugs in the trunk of his car. He's set to make 500 bucks. So he's got 21 pounds of methamphetamine. 1.2 pounds of oxycodone for him to deliver it to where he was going. He was only going to get 500 bucks from a drug dealer. To me, that's absolutely ridiculous. You're carrying that much drugs in your car. You want to drive it. You're driving a BMW at that. It was a silver BMW that Camargo Corrales was driving. And he was only supposed to get 500 bucks for delivering all this. That is absolutely absurd. Now, the police arrested him. He's being held on 75000 bond to get out. he. So here's the funny part. The story, besides the fact that he wasn't getting anything from this deal. Camargo Corrales, when police asked him where he was going, Camargo Corrales goes, he told police he was going to Denver to teach a kid's baseball clinic and claimed there were no drugs because... He said he followed Chicago Cubs' anti-doping policy. Let me repeat that. Camargo Corrales told police he was going to Denver to teach a kid's baseball clinic and claimed there were no no drugs because he followed Chicago Cubs' anti-doping policy. So the K-9 unit for for the police officer searches the car. They end up finding the drugs. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, you're putting that much risk of your career for 500 bucks. And again, 21 pounds of methamphetamine, 1.2 pounds of oxycodone pills. That's a shit ton of drugs for somebody that's just doing something minor and only getting 500 bucks out of it. Jesus, how much is the guy getting who's making that money off the 21 pounds of methamphetamine and 1.2 pounds of oxycodone pills? That Again, that's a shit ton in terms of that, he's expected to go to court on March 30th, which is in nine days. Today's the 21st. But the fact that not only not only did he have a Chicago Cubs duffel bag that like every player gets whenever you're in camp or signs on. It's one of those just generic bags that says Chicago Cubs on the outside of it. He had all this weight on him. He's driving a BMW. He's not even, like, a big-time prospect for the Cubs. Like, the Cubs don't even expect to really get much out of him. He's been in the minor leagues since they signed him in 2014. So he's been in the minor leagues now for seven years. This will be his seventh year. He's now facing both class one drug felony as well as charges of unlawful possession of each drug, both class four drug felonies, just so he can make 500 bucks to deliver all these drugs. That is absolutely absurd and hilarious when I think about it. I mean, it sucks for him because he's going to go to jail. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, he did all that for 500 bucks. I mean, that's crazy. But I, I wanted to touch on that. Uh, we'll stick with baseball a little. I want to do keep going with the previews before the start of the season. Where I'm going to focus on the Houston Astros. Uh, for people that don't know, they're the ones that Won the World Series a couple years ago. But a lot of people said that they cheated. You know, I think so too. Uh, they're having kind of a rough spring right now. They're three and eleven in spring training, uh, which is not good. Their rotation, the back end of their rotation is not very good, but the 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 front two of their rotation is good. They got Zach Greinke and Lance McCullers Jr. The one two punch. That's good. But they're three four and five starters. Uh, you got Jack Orduzzi, uh Kristen Javier, and Jose Yardina. Those three right there are not great. Uh their closer is uh Ryan Presley. Their lineup is not bad, but they lost a little bit of uh steam, I would say. You know, you got Jose Altuve, you got Goreal at first, you got Bregman at third, Correa at short, uh Michael Brantley, who I don't know what happened to Michael Brantley, but he seems to have like revived. His career in Houston, he batted three hundred last year. He had five home runs, 22 RBIs in a shortened season, which is pretty good. I don't remember him being a dependable hitter for Cleveland. I think it was just due to the injuries when he played for the Indians. Uh, they got Kyle Tucker in right, Miles Straw in center, and then uh, Alvarez is their DH. I think hitting-wise, they're fine with Altuve, Bregman, Correa, Brantley. They're going to have to pay Correa next year. If not this year, he's going to want a monster new contract. So it's going to be interesting to watch that. But I think pitching is what's going to hold this team back. Again, I like Grinky. I like McCullers. Uh, their bullpen is okay. You got Joe Smith, uh, Purtis, and you got uh, Berger, uh, Blake Taylor, uh, Stanek's in there. Their bullpen's not bad, but it's that rotation I'm worried about. With Grinky, McCullers are fine. It's their 3, 4, and 5 starters. I would worry about. I think they need to add some more depth to that pitching to really make some noise. Again, they are struggling uh, in spring training. You can take that with a grain of salt though. They are three and 11 in spring training as of right now, but ultimately I think Correa's needs a new deal. So they're going to focus on that, but it could be kind of an up and down season for the Astros this year. Um, after coming off, you know, the world series berth a couple years ago, they're in a, uh, Division with the Angels and Athletics Mariners and Rangers. I don't think the Rangers are gonna be very good I think the athletics are good. I'm curious to see what the Angels and do uh, The Mariners are gonna finish middle of the pack in my opinion But yeah, that's what I think of the Astros. I want to shift to the uh, LA Angels Of course, they got led by Mike Trout who I think is the best hitter in baseball in my opinion I love Mike Trout the way he plays the game bad 281 17 home runs last year which was fourth in the the league 46 rbis which was tied for sixth he plays really good center field he's 29 years old but it doesn't seem like whatever mike trout does he's won multiple mvps his team never does anything when they get to the postseason so it's kind of sad to see um but with the angels it's going to come down to pitching uh they got dylan bundy he's their ace Shohei otani who's here and he's a pitcher. Uh, You got Henry as their third, uh, Canning as their fourth, and Quintana as their fifth. Uh, They did get Rocio Iglesias from the Reds in the offseason. He's going to be their closer. Hitting-wise, I don't know if they have enough. They got Stazia, catcher. Uh, Suzuki's their backup catcher, so he might play as well. Uh, Jared Walsh at first. Uh, You got David Fletcher at second. Rendon, who they got from the Nationals, um, not this offseason, but the offseason before, he's at third. Jose Iglesias, who's good defensively, not a good hitter at short. You got Upton, Trout, and Fowler in the outfield, but I think Joe Adele, who was a rookie last year, is going to get a good amount of at-bats in the outfield as well. Whenever Otani's not pitching, he's going to be their DH. He's going to kind of flip-flop with Pujols. I can't believe Albert Pools is still there, by the way. Absolutely ridiculous, that contract looks right now. Last year, Albert Pools batted 224, six home runs, 25 ribbies, and 152 at-bats. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Now, Joe Adele, he's their rookie from last year, had a tough season. He batted 161, three home runs, seven RBIs. In 124 plate appearances, but he's only 21. Uh, he still can be really good. I think they're they're looking for him to have a pretty good season. Uh, like I said, they have Dexter Fowler, Mike Trout, and Justin Upton. Uh, Fowler batted 233 last year, not very good. Mike Trout, of course, is always up for the MVP every year. I like him. Justin Upton needs the rebound from last year. In 147 at bats for Justin Upton, he only batted 204, with nine home runs, 22 RBIs. I want to see what Otani does because I think the Angels are making a mistake using him as a pitcher and as a hitter. I think he just needs to focus on one. my opinion, I think he should just focus on being a hitter. Uh, I don't like their bullpen outside of Iglesias, and he was kind of up and down last year with the Reds. Uh, their other bullpen pitchers are Mike Mayers, Felix Pena. You got Buttery. You got Luke Bard and Claudio in the bullpen. I don't think it's going to be that good a year for the Angels. I think you know they're going to hover probably around the 500 mark. Uh, they're 10-7 and seven right now in the spring, uh, so not off to a blazing start, but they're doing a hell of a lot better than the Astros in the spring. But it's going to come down to what it is every year. Can Mike Trout continue to, to carry this team? Can Anthony Rendon, who came over on that monster contract from the Washington Nationals, can he continue to produce? Last year he batted 286, nine home runs. 31 RBIs, that's in 189 at-bats. So they're not bad, but he's making a good amount of money. He signed, like I said, that monster deal. Uh, not this offseason, but the offseason before. But they need production from other people besides Mike Trout if they want to make any noise. Uh, we'll focus a little bit on shifting gears. We'll actually go to the Who the Fuck Is That Guy segment. We're actually going to focus on the Utah Jazz. We're going to look at Jarrell Brantley. Six-foot-five, 250 out of Charleston. He's 24 years old. He was a 2019 second-round pick, number 50, by the Indiana Pacers. So far, in 11 games this season, he's averaging 1.6 rebounds and no assists. So he's not playing a lot. Uh, the Utah Jazz coming off a pretty good season so far for them. Um... But Jarrell Brantley is the who the fuck is that guy. He's 24. He went to the College of Charleston from 2015 to 2019, which is pretty decent. He's a four-year college guy. He was the CAA All-Defensive Team in 2017. He was the Rookie of the Year in the CAA, which is the conference they play in, in 2016. Third Team All-ACC. CAA excuse me in 2016 second team All CAA 2017 2018 so he's got a couple awards He was first team all CAA in 2019 in college at the College of Charleston 2015 2016 season excuse me Averaged 11 points in 28 minutes not bad his second season in college averaged 14 points in 32 minutes his third season, which was his junior year at College of Charleston, 17 points in 32 minutes, and then his last year, which was his senior year at College of Charleston, 19 four, 19.4 points, eight rebounds in 34 minutes. So his points went up each and every year. So it went from starting his freshman year at 11 points to his senior year averaging almost 20, which is not bad. So he goes into the draft. Gets selected in the 2019 draft, number 50th overall, by the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers trade him to the Utah Jazz as part of those, you know, swapping draft picks, things like that. He signs a two-way contract in July 2019 with the Jazz. The Two-way contract means you can either play in the developmental league or you play up with the big team. Makes his NBA debut... On October 25, 2019, came off the bench in a loss to the Lakers with three rebounds, an assist, and a block. On January 15, 2020, he goes to the G League, which is the Salt Lake City Stars. He has 28 points, eight rebounds, five assists in the in the minor the G League, which is the minor leagues of the NBA. So he's doing okay for the g-league, but the thing is he's already 24 He really has to show something in the next year or two to be a role player for the jazz You know the jazz are off to a pretty good part of this season. They're 30 and 11 right now first in the Northwest division uh, They have you know, Mike Conley who's an all-star you got Donovan Mitchell Rudy Coppere were all-stars you got decent role players and Joel Ingles Um You got Ilya Sova, who's there, Derek Favors, Jordan Clarkson, Bojan Bogdanovic, who's not bad. But I don't think that the Utah Jazz, even though their record is pretty good, like I said, at 30-11, and are going to be able to win a title or really make a ton of noise in the playoffs. I mean, I've seen weird shit before, but when it comes to a big-time caliber team that can win a championship. I don't see it in Utah. I don't think Donovan Mitchell has that killer instinct. I don't think Gobert and Conley get them over the hump. I think they'll make the playoffs, but ultimately I don't see them winning a championship. I think it's the title in the West is going to come out of L.A., either the Clippers or Lakers, depending on how long LeBron's out with that ankle injury. But we focused on, like I said, Jarrell Brantley. He's 24, 6'5", 250, 24 years old. He's out of College of Charleston, which is the CAA conference, which is, I think that's the, yeah, that's the Colonial conference that the Charleston's in, which is not too bad. Goes on, is a second round pick 50th overall in 2019. Gets traded from the Pacers to the Jazz. And now he's not playing minutes for Utah right now. I mean, he's appeared in, Like I said, about 11 games, averaging about a point. But Jarrell Brantley is the who the fuck is that guy for this week. Now, for people that missed a good amount of boxing last night, you had uh, Virgil Ortiz Jr. knocking out Maurice Hooker, which was pretty good in the seventh round. It was a TKO victory. The thing with Virgil Ortiz, he's really young. And what I mean young, he's 22 He's now 17-0. He's beaten guys, like I said, Hooker he beat last night. But he's beat Samuel Vargas, Brad Solomon, Orozco's pretty good. After the fight, Virgil Ortiz called out uh, Terrence Bud Crawford uh, for the next fight because they fight at in 147. Ultimately, I don't think that fight happens right away. I think Virgil Ortiz still needs a couple big uh, big victories to kind of get him up there in that Terrence Crawford-Errol Spence discussion. But a pretty good victory last night for Virgil Ortiz. Those body shots that he hit Hooker with, because Hooker had a four-inch reach. And for the first couple rounds, Hooker was controlling the fight with his his reach and everything, which was good. Uh, but once Ortiz got inside, he basically busted up Hooker's ribs, uh, and it was over once Ortiz was able to get inside. He hits extremely hard. Even Hooker said during the fight, damn, this guy hits pretty damn hard. You had Hooker getting TKO'd in the seventh, like I said, Virgil Ortiz Jr. He's one of those young boxers who's up and coming. He fights at 147, uh, which that was a really good fight last night. It was on DAZN. Uh Earlier in the day, you had Arthur Bedervidev. He extends his knockout record in the first bout to, to 519 days, which is pretty good. He's 16 and 0 with 16 KOs There's a possibility of him uh, Either fighting Canelo Alvarez down the line. There's also talks of him fighting uh, Smith also, but It was a good night of boxing. Hopefully everybody was able to catch that. I thought it was pretty damn good Uh, Just watching you know, you had the zone that was on during the day and the. Now what the, it was ESPN plus was on during the day the zone was on at night uh, But ultimately it was a good night of boxing. I hope everybody was able to catch that and or if not just watch the replays But yeah, I thought I thought Virgil Ortiz jr. Looked really good uh, Better Videv looked pretty good. He fought over in Russia his home country, which was nice to see there was fans in the stands for the better Videv fight uh, there was a few spectators because it was in Texas for the Ortiz-Hooker fight. Uh, the next big boxing fight is going to be on DAZN, March 27th. That's going to be Alexander Povetkin going up against Dillian White. Povetkin won the first fight against him as he knocked out Dillian White. That's going to be a decent fight. But other than that, we'll have to focus on April 3rd on ESPN+. Plus. It'll be Jamel Herring against Carl Frampton. That's in the junior lightweight title, which will be a good fight. But ultimately, it was it was a good night for boxing. Hopefully, everybody was able to catch on and watch it. If not, I definitely re- recommend watching the replay. Um, as far as the Good Guy Grant podcast, I appreciate everybody listened. We are now in up. To, we actually are now in four different countries: United States, Ireland, France, and Norway, which is good to see. Hopefully, we get some new listeners. Of course, you can go to Facebook at the Good Guy Grant page. Follow me on Twitter at Good Guy Grant One. If there's any segments you'd like to see me cover or any other sports, let me know. But I hope everybody enjoys their week and has a good day.